Good morning. It's Tuesday, which means it's patrol day, and you've got a lot of ground to cover. You roll out of bed, stretch, get under clothes. That weighs seven pounds, including your boots. Grab your rifle, AR-15 with a sling, red dot sight and a white light. Don't forget your handgun and your ammo. Seven magazines to the rifle, three for the pistol. That's 18.9 pounds. Now you grab your load bearing gear. On that, you're going to have all your pouches for ammo. You're going to have utility pouches, your backpack, and now you're up to another eight pounds. Now you need to pack your water. Well, you're going to carry two quarts and canteens and another two liters in the pack. Another eight and a half pounds. And 24 hours of food. It's 1.6 pounds. Now you need to grab your survival gear, your multi-tool, and your compass and your whistle, your signal kit. Another 3.1 pounds. Your PPE, your shooting glasses, and your ear pro. It's another two ounces. And then you give yourself about four pounds worth of extra mission gear to include flashlights, digging tools, flares, all that fun stuff. In all, you're carrying 52.7 pounds of kit. You're glad you put all that time in at the gym before Scenario X, because you're going to wear that 52 pounds for the next eight hours while you walk around your patrol route, which you cover somewhere around 10 miles. You think to yourself, that's a lot of weight. You never would have thought of doing that yourself. And there's been several people on the team who couldn't hack it even early on in Scenario X, and they've gotten a little bit better. Slowly, you get it on, you walk out the door, and trudge along. This is all about Scenario X Fitness. And welcome to the Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it's all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm Matt. I'm Allison. And our website is everydaymarksman.co. There you're going to find today's show notes, as well as all of our other episodes, our articles, our YouTube channel, and as always, our awesome community of marksmen. Thanks you for joining me. So welcome, Allison. Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. I really enjoy doing these podcasts. Yeah, I really enjoy having you as well. And one of the reasons that you are back today is because we're gay- we are digging into the fitness topic once again, which I know is something near and dear to your heart. Yep. Pull so, day tomorrow at the gym, baby. <laughs> pull day. So actually, like, like aside from that, so I know you, you've gone through a lot of different fitness rotations and kind of how, how you do things. So what does your current structure look like? My current structure is a five-day-a-week program. I do one pull day, a push day, two leg days. And right now I'm doing a kettlebell circuit day, but I was doing rucking. I kind of just do more of a high-intensity cardio day. And that is awesome. That is why I love you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am once again on the injured list. So womp, womp. yeah, yeah. Womp, womp for me. <laughs> so, um, for no particular reason either. It's one of those silly things. It's not even like a sprain. I don't know what it is, but bottom line, it's caused me to, to stop and think or just worry that I'm getting too old for this. I hope not. Cause I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> not by much. All right. So on to the actual topic. So we're talking about fitness today and I want to set this up by talking about the last episode. Uh, in the last episode, I dug into a hierarchy for buying equipment. Now at the lowest level was the fundamentals and everyday carry. And the hierarchy went up from there going through patrol, survival, observation, combat equipment, and beyond. 
And throughout the entire thing, I was tying the importance of training uh, and how to use all this stuff effectively. But I think there was something that we didn't really touch on that is still really important. And when I did the live stream version of that, it actually came up in the conversation. So I wanted to come back and address it again. And that is fitness. Because none of this works without you know the appropriate level of physical fitness. It's very true. Your body, if it's not strong enough, I mean, that's your best tool right there. It's just your body. Yeah. Um, so Field Marshal Montgomery, old British general back World War II. And if I'm wrong, I know the historians will comment to tell me I'm wrong. They're going to come for you They're going to come for me in the comments. Um, said, man is the first weapon of war. I did not know you were going to say that, but that fits perfectly to what I just oh, said. Oh, I didn't know I was going to say it either, but when you just <laughs> said that, I jumped on it. So you just know these facts off the top of your head? I do. Oh my God. That's really impressive, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, the whole tactical fitness subject here is that one of the pillars we have is physical fitness. And tactical fitness is one of my oldest articles I wrote. Uh, it's probably due for an update, but it's a combination of disciplines. It's what separates it from what most people will think of as far as fitness is that tactical fitness, as I talk about it, is a combination of things like strength, endurance, speed, flexibility. Uh, and a person who ascribes himself or describes himself as a tactical athlete is really a generalist. Mm -hmm. They're not really good at any one particular thing. They're good at several things, but not, not, not amazing. You know, they're not, they're not, they can, they can probably sprint well, but they're not an Olympic level sprinter. And, um, you know, I asked Rob Shaw once, he's the owner of Mountain Tactical Institute, who I've bought a couple of their training programs are really effective. And I asked him kind of his approach to this because he, he specializes in training tactical athletes. So the quote I've got here is from a fitness programming perspective, a tactical athlete's fitness must cover a much more broad array of fitness demands. Their fitness demands are much more, mo are much more multimodal. Green athletes, for example, need high relative strength, which means strength for body weight, high sprint-based work capacity, tactical agility, endurance for running and rucking, and chassis integrity, which means core. Mm -hmm. Now, most tactical athletes cannot predict the tactical situation they face, and thus their programming must be broader and embrace more fitness attributes than more narrow sport or competition athletes who can predict what they will face in competition and then program accordingly. So what exactly is a tactical athlete? So in this case, um, a tactical athlete means military, police, okay. firefighter. Um, Rob actually, so actually I highlighted it here. Uh, this, in this particular quote, he talks about a green athlete as a color. Right. Um, and his color coding system, which has green, blue, black, red, lots of things. Green indicates infantry. Okay. Land-based special operations, wildland firefighters, and and rural law enforcement. Okay. Where someone who is blue in his case might be, you know, infantry, but with swimming. So like more like navy special operations. Oh, okay. Where or or red is like fire and EMS kind of things, and they all have subtly different in his eyes. To me, with the everyday marksman concept, where we're all kind of generalists, I talk about rucking and land navigation. Green seems to be the most similar. Okay. I agree with this quote. I think it can apply to everyday people like me as well. I'll admit, I don't love cardio as much as I used to. I used to run marathons. And I, first of all, I can never see myself doing that again. That was a different time. I love lifting weights now. That's my, my preference. But I will admit, I'm the first to bail on my cardio after I do my weight training. Because, you know, you do weight training before you do cardio. 
And some days I just have to force myself to do it. But lately I've realized I have been slacking. And I think in order for me to be more of a well-rounded athletic human, I do need to work on some cardio, some running. And that's why I'm making myself do it more. Yeah. Well, I think this is a target for everybody. I mean, to be someone who can both lift, ruck, sprint, climb, survive tough environments, like that all ties back to that gear hierarchy. Like if you're going to buy all the stuff to help you survive and fight, then you physically need to be able to also survive and perform. It's true. Environments. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only fight off the zombies for so long. Eventually, I just need to run away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, rule number one. Cardio. Cardio. Uh, so uh, in this episode now, we're going to talk about three reasons to be fit. And I'm sure these are going to be somewhat obvious to everybody, but sometimes it's just nice to have someone lay it out for you and say it in a different way. I mean, besides the obvious of wanting to look attractive. Well, yeah. I mean, be hot by accident. Exactly. Be fit on purpose. Yes. Um, all right. So to the meat of this, there's three reasons or domains we're going to talk about here that you should keep in mind. Uh, and we're not talking about vanity. You know, this, the idea here is not to be swole to impress well, anyone. Um, we're talking <laughs> about nitty gritty reasons to be fit for everyday life, especially in an emergency like scenario X. So the three domains that I've got here are combat capability, health and durability, and developing mental grit. And I know not everything we're going to say here applies to only muscular strength and endurance. You know, fitness is a holistic concept that has a lot of aspects to it. So we're going to touch on a lot of these as we go. Obviously, neither of us are trained, certified health professionals, though, you know, we have read a lot. We've talked to a lot of people. We've experimented. Oh, I've done a lot of experimenting. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into the first one, which is combat capability here. And I want to open up this one with a couple of examples. Okay. Um, you know, used to be a marathon runner, so I'm yes. sure you know the history of marathon mm-hmm. going back to the Greeks. Um, but actually, you're going to start with 1982 in the Falklands War. Now, I'm not going to get to a lot of the political stuff that happened in all this, but but the summary of this was a conflict between the UK and Argentina over a couple of British territories in the South Atlantic. It lasted about 74 days before Argentina surrendered. And the reason I'm going to talk about this is the actions of the British troopers on the ground were just a testament to their level of physical fitness. Tell me more. So I'm actually not going to tell you this. I'm oh. going to borrow this from a report that the British did as an after action several years later, where it's illustrated kind of a subset of this. So I, I get this quote again from a British British paper. Um, here we go. Read it with a British accent. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the British soldiers during the Falklands conflict did a remarkable job of carrying heavy loads on their backs over distance and during adverse weather conditions. A good example of this physical endurance was the 42 commando of the Royal Marines. The commandos landed at San Carlos carrying approximately 120 to 145 pounds of equipment per man. A typical load consisted of two mortar rounds at 26 pounds, personal weapons and ammunition, 50 pounds, two water bottles, food for 48 hours, sleeping bag, shelter, spare clothing, and other special equipment required by the individual or his squad. With this load, the 42 Commando made the big yomp, which was a forced march, of 80 miles across the Falklands. The yomp was made in three days across boggy and wet ground during wet and cold weather. Oh, my goodness. Now, there's similar stories about this all over the place where and not everybody made it through. Like There was a lot of people who dropped, who dro- not because he dropped dead, but like they. I mean, somebody might have dropped they dead. They might have, but like there was there was a lot of cold injuries. Uh, there was a lot of weather and 
you know, it was not. Were they say, sleeping oh, at all? I mean, you had to at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but like, like, like not, this was hard. Mm-hmm. It was terrible weather conditions. It was cold. It was muddy. It was wet. It was a lot of weight to carry over distance on foot in three days. Wow. And then you had to arrive and fight. Yeah. Wow. So that is that is a well. I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would wager most people aren't. And to be fair, this is a British commando unit who is known for doing their tabbing, which is a another what we call rucking. They call tabbing, which is tactical advance to battle. Okay. And they're known for doing this. It's part of their culture. Same goes for U.S. Special Forces. Um, another example, though, I will give is Mogadishu, mm-hmm. 1993. Uh, you know the whole Black Hawk Down incident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this thing called the Mogadishu Mile, which has been kind of pop culturized. The movie did a version of it. But the, the bottom line was that, you know, at the tail end of this battle, they've been going for 24 hours overnight, shooting it out, uh, undersupplied, underhydrated, no food. They didn't expect they were going to be doing this. They had to get out and they couldn't get on the vehicles. Mm-hmm. So while the movie made it seem like this group of rangers and Delta Force you know, ran out of the city, they, they didn't. And they walked, but they they walked tactically doing fire maneuver, taking cover. And they did this for almost three miles after fighting for almost 24 hours, being injured, dehydrated, lack of sleep, lack of food. Uh, And that's not the kind of thing that someone can just do if they're not in good physical shape or mental shape. Yeah, definitely. I know you mentioned we're going to touch on this later, but the whole mental grit aspect plays a part here. Because, I mean, how many times would you want to stop and quit and just give up mm-hmm. in those conditions? But they found a way. Yeah, you found a way. You have to you have to dig to, dig down. Right. So that's rule number one here. Combat capability. Um, your level of physical fitness. I'm going to emphasize fitness, not just strength. Strength matters, but so does all aspects of fitness. That is how you're going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. It is if you can't carry, if you can't carry your gear you know, over distance, then you're going to have a problem. So the example, uh, I opened this episode with kind of telling a little story about scenario X, but just let's put a number on it. Let's say you're carrying 50 pounds of equipment between your, your rifle, your clothes, your load carrying kit, your magazines, water, food, shelter, all that stuff, 50 pounds. And it sounds like a manageable number. I'm sure you, you've worn a 50 pound backpack at some point in your life. Have you? Probably. You're probably on a backpacking trip or something. I mean, my ruck plate is only 20 pounds. Mm, that's true. Mine's 30. Yeah. But so, so 50 pounds. I mean, my toddler right. will be 50 pounds soon <laughs> and he makes me carry him. That's true. <laughs> so 50 pounds. Now, most people say, all right, 50 pounds, I can do that. But now you got to wear it for 14 hours Mm-mm. and you have to walk for six of those hours. That's tough. You know, or let's go. What's up beyond that? This is just in a general kind of patrol thing. You, you're you're carrying fifty pounds of gear, and so you need to walk for six miles as you go around patrol. What happens if you actually get in a firefight? Now it's not just walking. You have to sprint ten yards, drop to the ground, fight, get back up, and sprint. And if you're too slow, you're dead. You're dead. You're oh, and, and now it's raining yeah. <laughs> or oh, hailing. And now it's rain. It's it's hailing. Uh, you, the terrain sucks and you have to run uphill. Um, yeah, don't slip and fall and hurt your knee or your ankle or something. Cause you're kind of screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so I did find another example talking about this. Um, this is from Grenada, you know, when we got 
engaged there. Here we go. This is a quote from a soldier in Grenada said, um, we attacked secure the airhead. We were like slow moving turtles. My rucksack, my rucksack weighed 120 pounds. I would get up and rush for 10 yards, throw myself down and couldn't get back up. I'd rest for 10 to 15 minutes, struggle to get up, go 10 yards and collapse. After a few rushes, I was physically unable to move and I am in great shape. Finally, after I got to the assembly area, I shut my rucksack, was able to fight, but I was totally drained. Now, the lesson from this one is, is partly you should be getting to a firefight with 120 pounds on you. But even very physically fit people who are airborne rangers, all these other areas who are relatively young and in fighting shape are struggling to do this. Right. So how would we stack up? Right. How does how is the average person who is caught in emergency going to stack up? 120 pounds was miserable for someone who's in great shape. So if you're carrying 50 pounds, how are you going to do? Right. So this is why the new Army Combat Fitness Test has a lot of components to it now with things like sprint, drag, carry, where it is testing these components that are not just push-ups, sit-ups, and a you know, mile and a half run. Well, that's good. So that's rule number one, is that frankly, if you're not physically fit in strength and endurance, um, then you're a liability. So how would you know if you're capable of doing these things unless you just go out and do it? That's how you do it. Right. Because you can go to the gym and bench press however much you bench press, bench press or squat however much you squat. But yeah. so, I mean, I, look, uh, the Everyday Markson does have some physical fitness standards that we published last year in 2021. I can't believe it's already been that long. Um, and there are some rough guidelines to do it. But the reality is, is nobody is going to be able to do very, very few people are going to be able to do everything really well, mm-hmm. you know, unless someone, this is their profession, what they do all the time. But at least it's something to know this is a track you should be on and to know that you're working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a really good uh, quote, and we're going to bring up the book later in Body by Science. It talks about maintenance isn't a thing. When it comes to training like this, you are either progressing or you're regressing. Okay. There is no such thing as, oh, I'm good enough. I'm going to sit here and maintain it. <laughs> that that's not That's not how this works. So, uh, and I would say based on my experiences with, you know, some small unit tactics training and, and reading others talk about this, there is way too much emphasis on the strength. You know, a lot of people, including me included, because I like lifting things. Me too. Overemphasize the picking up heavy stuff and putting it back down, thinking, oh, I'm in great physical shape. But yeah, I can't sprint like I used to. I can't sprint on a rowing machine, you know, the ways I was doing when I was training for that. And the reality is that's that's a huge that's probably more important, right? Uh, the, the the short term strength to pick up a lot of extra stuff is nice, but you have to carry and move it and not be exhausted by the time you're done doing it. Very true. Actually, I have a, a story that is kind of similar. This was back when I was in college, and my roommate had been visiting me back home, and my mom drove us. She dropped us off about a mile away because there was a lot of traffic, and we had all of our luggage, and we had to walk a mile back to our dorm and my friend struggled so much. She was out of breath. She was having the hardest time. She said to me, wow, like you're in such great shape and I'm not. And she did something about it. And she started exercising mm-hmm. because she could not keep up in a real world scenario. And add to that, um, I know the town that you went to college in was not the nicest in the country. Nope. And you know, if that's nighttime, and you're moving one mile, dragging a bag behind you, and you get you're exhausted. That makes you a prime target. Oh, I, I wouldn't go anywhere at night in that area. Yeah. 
I'm smart enough to not do <laughs> well, that. Good. <laughs> that's why you're here. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that you can see that you can see the example though of like it's not just about in the moment being able to execute the thing. It's then executing the thing and then still having reserves left. True. Or recovering fast enough to then go perform more. It's true. Uh, which gets to this next point here about health and durability, which I think this is another huge component of it. And I got a quote here that I'm gonna I'm gonna play. So this comes from Doc Larson of One Shepherd. And a few weeks ago, I did a live stream with Doc and Brent0331 and uh, Les from Pegasus Test. And we were talking about aspects of your Scenario X team. And the, the topic was actually about equipment. But then during the course of the conversation, fitness came up because um, one of the, the watchers who was watching the live stream made a comment about how few people are qualified for military service these days. This is what Doc said. A lot of physical fitness isn't really about getting the mission done, guys. It's about surviving the wound or surviving the harsh weather or whatever it is. And it's the ability to survive that and bounce back and come back into the fight. So when he said that, I, I kind of took mental note of it. And then as I was going back editing, editing the clips for the, for YouTube, I heard this one again. I was like, oh, my, we got to talk about this one. What do you think about that? I think he makes a really good point. I'm trying to think if there's any scenarios that applies to me where I've experienced something like that. I'm thinking back to my marathon running days. I did the Chicago Marathon and it was record hot weather in October. We're talking almost 100 degrees and it's the people were dropping left and right, passing out. And I just had to rely on my training and just be tough, tough it out and kind of face the elements there. I mean, it's not a, a 100% perfect analogy, mm. but I, I mean, right now I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a lot of tactical experience, but no, I think his quote's valid. It's, what do you it, think? I, I think it's it's something that we don't talk about, honestly. And I kind of, we kind of just touched on this with the last part about combat capability, but I think too many times we over, we, we focus so much on that. We forget about, it's also about the recovery piece. Right. And so um, sitting in front of us is, is one of our favorite books on fitness, uh, Body by Science by Doug McGuff and John Little. And there was a quote that you and I both remembered out of this one right. that just seemed very appropriate to, to the topic. And I will, I will go back to at the time I was a long distance runner. I did spin class, pretty much all the cardio classes, and I didn't really weight train. But this quote resonated with me so much. I knew I had to make shift. I mean, I think Matt's going to read it here for you in a second. But what it basically is saying is, hey, the state that you are at, if you're in a catastrophic accident and you're hospitalized, you're in an intensive care unit, the state that you're currently at, you're just going to deteriorate from there. And it, the amount of muscle that you have on your body really will determine how long you can survive in that type of a situation. And I thought to myself, I don't have enough muscle. I'm a dead woman. So I got on that right away. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to read the quote anymore. No, read it, read it. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's on page 99. More muscle can save your life. The medical literature affirms the absolute role an increased muscle mass plays to one's benefit during life-threatening situations. A lot of beneficial effects of strength training come from the fact that the organs of the body increase their functional capacity to track one-to-one -one with increases in muscle mass. As an example, if you were in a severe traffic accident and had to be admitted to an intensive care unit, the start point from which you would atrophy all of your organs is predicated on your degree of muscle mass. In other words, 
how long it takes before you reach multi-system organ failure and die is directly linked to your level of muscle mass. Because all of your other organs' weights are going to be proportional to that. So basically what exactly what you just said. And I liken this almost to ballistics in a rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I write a lot about you know marksmanship and ballistics, and, and the same kind of a similar point there, though much simplified, is when you fire a gun and that bullet leaves the muzzle, that's all the velocity it's ever going to have. Like that, that is, it's it's never going to speed up and get better from there. So it's going to going to go as far as it can, you know, and from that point. Mm-hmm. And there will come, there will be of some point in the distance where it's just not effective anymore. And I think what what this book is saying and, and kind of the attitude here is. Your level of fitness ultimately determines how long you're going to live in an emergency. Yeah. And if we're talking about this scenario X, if scenario X happens 10 minutes from now, the current state that I'm in is the best I'm ever going to be. Because if I can't get my 155 grams of protein every day, I'm not going to sustain my muscle. I mean, maybe I'll lose a little extra body fat, but I'm probably going to lose a lot of muscle as well. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing too is... I think a lot of people assume that they're going to get in better health condition and they're going to exercise more when when this all happens, you know. Mm-mm. But if scenario X happens yeah, tomorrow, you know, okay, yeah, there's a little bit you could probably do as far as body fat percentage or, hey, we're, we're going to be doing a lot more walking so you'll get some better cardio there. But you're not, we're not going to be able to go lift weights. No. You know, we're not going to be able to get under the barbell routinely. And, go and we're and not going to be able to sustain our food intake, no, especially protein. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet your, your, your nutritional requirements are going to be reduced. This goes back to a story I remember hearing. I mentioned this in another article one time uh, from Fieldcraft Survival, one of their older episodes where Mike Glover and Kurt were talking about ranger body, mm-hmm. where all these guys who are going through ranger school with them. And, you know, by the time everybody got out of ranger school, they looked the same. They were all not that they were emaciated, but they all just had this lean kind of skinny look to them. Mm-hmm. But even the guys, the guys who showed up with tons of muscle mass, like the bodybuilder types, it just melted away. And it yeah. was really bad for them because oh, like, I they couldn't sustain the protein requirements. Well, that's like years of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it just melted away. And the guys who show up who didn't have enough strength to begin with, this didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So all that come back to how strong and fit you are right now will determine how long you're going to survive if the emergency happens to you tomorrow. Right. And you listening to this, how long do you think that would be for you? Dramatic pause. (laughs) All right, let's go into the third point here, developing mental grit. So this is the last point. And I thought this one was interesting to talk about because it's not explicitly, you know, fitness related. Like what you think of as traditional physical fitness. But I, I thought it was important to talk about because, you know, of the things you, you talked about this earlier running marathons and that you developed this sense of just dig down and do it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a unique characteristic of people who do a lot of physical training, who push their bodies and push limits and deal with discomfort and get better for it. In a way, that's that's a systematic way of stressing yourself and recovering from stress and stressing yourself and recover and, and progressively doing that more and more. So then when you actually face another stressful situation where which challenges your discipline or challenges your mental fortitude, you have a lot of experience pushing through that to be able to stay successful and focused. 
I would 100% agree with that. And actually, I was thinking about, yes, with marathon training, when you're running the actual marathon, you're going to hit that wall, your legs hurt, your feet hurt, everything hurts, you want to stop and you have that mental toughness that says, absolutely not, I'm going to finish this race. And it's not easy. But it actually applies right now to my weight training. And I think that's why I've been really successful with the weight training is I am one of those people that I I understand, especially after doing the big five, I understand what muscle failure feels like. And my last one to two reps, I am struggling. I don't go to complete failure, but because I understand what that feels like, I really do push myself. And I'm sure my facial expressions are quite lovely to all my my gym goers, sorry, but I I've come to actually really enjoy and like that feeling of of just really pushing and really really forcing myself and using that mental toughness of yes, I realize it's hard, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Or you know, when I'm taking my toddler on a walk around the neighborhood and he refuses to walk and I have to carry him a mile even after my workout and my muscles are exhausted and I have to dig into that mental toughness of I'm not getting this kid home any other way. So I got to figure it out. So to be clear, you mentioned the big five. So in the body by science book, uh, which I have a review on, on the website, by the way, but he talks about his workout template as a big five. And really it's, it's five compound movements that are just taken to absolute failure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not going to give away everything. Please go check out the book. It's worth a read. I mean, it's done safely on equipment. You're not using barbells or dumbbells because that could be dangerous. He does. He does give you protocol for doing that, but you, oh, don't, really? you don't take it top. Yeah, you can use way. like those machines, yeah, like Nautilus good. machines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this comes up all the time with people who want to do things like go rock events, marathons, um, how tactical games, like anything that's mm-hmm. going to be meant to challenge yourself. And, and push you past the limit. And I think there's a lot of people in the shooting community who skip all of that for the sake of doing the fun part to them, which is just, just go shoot. Mm-hmm. They do entertainment, as I would say, where they go take training courses about teaching how to shoot better, but they don't put in the work in other areas to be successful. Okay. Um, and that's that's going to hurt them. It's, that's the mission capability. That's poor health. That's, you know, you haven't really got the mental grit. You're just showing off that you got a bunch of money and time. I don't know. Maybe people don't think about this whole scenario X because they think, oh, they'll just rely on other people to take care of them. Yeah. And and that's completely the opposite of how I think. Like I want to be able to add some value to whatever situation I'm in. I mean, if you're there, obviously, I know I can rely on you, but I also need to know I can take care of myself, yeah. take care of my son, mm-hmm. take care of my poor 13-year-old injured dog. Yeah. And uh, to go back to what Mike Moore said a long time ago on another interview talking about survival and that mindset is that some people, they just haven't got the mindset and they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And all any extra time and effort you spend trying to help them get through it ultimately is going to cost you time and resources and, and potentially drag you down too. Mm-hmm. That sounds harsh. Yeah. But that's his observation people in survival situations that some people just aren't going to do it because they've never challenged themselves. They've never developed that mental grit, Mm -hmm. um, that character, that fortitude that routinely challenging yourself can do. And fitness is one of those ways that you can do that. I love fitness. Me too. All right. So to wrap this one up, uh, we, there's a lot of things we didn't cover. Actually, the army has a whole field manual all about this. 
Uh, spe- specifically, it was in October 2020. Shout out, John Simpson sent, sent me a copy of this a while ago. But Field Manual 7-22 is all about holistic health and fitness. It's 244 pages. I will eventually write a review of this on the website. Um, but it covers a lot of aspects, like nutrition, sleep. Um, all these things are important to get squared away now because for the same reason that you mentioned that whatever you start with now is that's your starting point and it's not going to get any better from there. Mm-hmm. It means you really should be putting in all the effort to do as good a job as you can today. So would you say that people should be concerned or imagining these what if scenarios and constantly worried that the world's going to end, zombies are coming? <laughs> I mean, or do you think there's a more realistic day-to-day approach they can think about when it comes yeah. to fitness and health? So I mean, that's a really great example is I, I like to or a great question. I, I like to use scenario X as morally as a, as an illustration of this is what could happen. How would you, how would you deal with this? Mm-hmm. But you know, you can't control that outcome. And I think for just from a mental, a mental health standpoint, you're far better off focusing on the things that you can control mm-hmm. and improving those. And what you can control is your own progress. True. So I would say don't even worry about us. Like from it comes to a health and fitness standpoint, don't even worry about scenario X. Don't worry about the zombie apocalypse. Don't worry about World War Three. You cannot control those things. What you can control is writing down what you eat and making good decisions every day. You can control logging your workouts and tracking your progress consistently across those workouts. You can control how you're working out and what you're doing and where you're improving focus on the and and you can control how much sleep you get yeah that's correct (laughs) so uh unless you have a you know a a young child or or something else which you can't always control your sleep there but you know like you can control those four things nutrition your uh health your exercise routines your sleep that's three did i say four stress Uh, Stress. Okay, you can, you can worry about your stress. Um, those are absolutely within your control, and by and by putting in the work to r- routine and maintaining those, yeah, you're going to improve. Just mm-hmm. work to be better. Yeah, that's right. what I try to do. Yeah, and you're better at it than me. Well, thank you. All right. Well, that's going to wrap this up. So, rewind that one. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap this one up. Thank you for listening. Allison, thanks for joining. I love talking about fitness. Have me on any time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. All right. You can find today's show notes at everydaymarksman.co. There to find all the entire website. And while you're there, hit that big green subscribe button. Join the mailing list. That way you get heads up on all the new episodes, videos, articles, and everything else. Bye. Bye.